Hello and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report for Wednesday, May 3rd, 2017. I'm Alex Kalafi, joined today by both of our regular co-hosts. That is one Zachary Miller from Alaska. Hello, Zach. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? Bright here. Very it's, bright. It's, it's very bright where you are. I'm guessing it's what, like 1 p.m. Uh, Alaska time? Yeah. It's it's six sixteen. The sun won't set before I go to bed, though. And that's to make up for my currently dark as hell lighting in <laughs> my old. It's my childhood bedroom, which has been repurposed. People in the audio version can't see this, but because I moved out, I just got a bunch of bins here. I'm sleeping on an air mattress, but <laughs> because I'm in my underwear, I won't pull the camera down at all. Uh, it's and I'm just I'm just chilling in here doing the podcast. But we are also joined by one Mr. Donald Terrio. Now, Almond Solica are currently having this DLC, and we are not going to be able to go there. That's the way things go today in gaming and Nintendo. And the kingdoms have us in suspense, and we'll remain that way until we can find out somehow who can afford this season pass or who's responsible for the way it's priced. Good night for Nintendo News Report. (laughs) (laughs) I, I need to know. Who are you referencing, Donald? Uh, the great Dave Hodge, a Canadian hockey broadcaster who got fired from Hockey Night in Canada for basically giving that speech and flipping his pen. <laughs> wow. Donald's great because he will always casually drop these references that 90% of the audience won't get, but Donald doesn't give a damn because he loves the reference. And that's not me being, like, tongue-in-cheek or throwing a jab. I genuinely love that. So please never stop. I just may sometimes ask you to explain it because I, too, am often confused about broadcasters in the mystical land of Canada. (coughs) Canada. Canada. (laughs) To to talk about how little I know about Canada, when Donald mentioned Canada, I used that as an opportunity to talk about how good Trailer Park Boys is uh, to, to a very unenthused audience. <laughs> so, it, that, 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 yeah, go yeah, ahead. That, that is a show that literally hits too close to home for me. <laughs> That's true. Donald was telling me that that show is filmed very close to where he is. I also heard that the actual actors on Trailer Park Boys are so infamous across Canada that everyone knows someone who knows someone who's gotten drunk with at least one cast member of Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> Bubbles, o- Bubbles opened a bar here, so that doesn't surprise me. Did he really? Me. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's still open now, but he definitely did. So, okay, here's, here's a question I have. Bubbles on Trailer Park Boys, we're going to talk about video games very, very soon. Bubbles on Trailer Park Boys, is he like Walter Jr. on Breaking Bad? where there's uh, a physical alternative ability that that affects him? Like, does Bubbles actually have a speech impediment, or does he just play that up for the show? I think he plays that up for the show. He's Okay. The whole, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure what the ailment is supposed to be on the show. I think it may be like a cleft palate or something, but I, I've watched about two and a half episodes combined of the show, so... Yeah, it's in Zach Watch 2, which means four total. I, I recommend it to people. I'm, I'm opening the chat right now, so I'll be able to engage with you fine folks in a second. But we have a decent show today. We got some DLC plans, some DLC plans, and some 
games that include DLC plans, the sales of those games. So we have a very DLC-themed episode. We're also going to close it up with some what we've been playing. First off, I want to talk about the DLC for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. The details for the first Breath of the Wild DLC pack have been announced. It includes the Trial of the Sword, a 45-room enemy gauntlet that unlocks the true power of the Master Sword when completed, which to me sounds like it's going to be the Beam Laser Master Sword all the time. Ooh. That's what it sounds like, right? It, it, it could be that, or it could be, hey, the sword doesn't break anymore. Ooh. Or it could be both. Por que no los dos, Donald? Hmm. That's, what I, that's what I always say. The Hero's Path, a new feature for the map that allows retracing steps up to 200 hours of gameplay, which is really cool. Basically, Jeez. wherever you walk in Breath of the Wild, it's going to draw a line behind you for up to 200 hours of progress. Meaning, if you went zigzaggy all over the map, and you want to know where you haven't explored, because sometimes the shrines are deceptive, you can like see exactly on the map where you still need to fill in, which is a very, very, very helpful feature. There's yes. also hard mode, which raises all enemies by one level, like red bokoblins becoming blue, etc., etc. Uh, enemy and treasures will spawn out of the sky. There's auto-regenerating health on enemies, and it seems like there, were, there may also be new colors for enemies. Like, it hmm. could be silver, maybe there's going to be gold. Like, uh, one of the strongest enemies in the game, who by some accounts is tougher than Ganon, is the Silver Lionel, who you can fight at, at, a, very, at a very specific place in Hyrule Field. Which is not really a spoiler, because it's just, it's, it's a little thing you can do. It's not even like a secret boss, it's just a very tough enemy, but it is the toughest regular enemy in the game, I think. Now this begs the question, could there be a Gold Lionel? after that. Like, like, that could be something that they decide to do. Gold, light, diamond, Lionel, you know, the hardest material known to man. <laughs> diamond, Lionel. It would be pretty fantastic. I still haven't found also, Lionels. Lionels I, are I, I, the best. <laughs> I accidentally got one's attention. It didn't end well. Yeah. But you can't tame them, though. I mean, they, they look rideable. They're just, if, they, if you try to do it, they'll rip <laughs> your corpse in half. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is how Breath of the Wild, during one of the quote-unquote main quest areas, you even though you're terribly under-leveled, the game forces you to come into contact with a Lionel mm -hmm. to, in, in order to, to steal some arrows, which feels very much an Odysseus and the Cyclops kind of moment. And it's... it's it's a very, very strong section of Breath of the Wild. Although I remember some people really hating that section. When you look at it as you being Link as Odysseus, it's kind of <laughs> cool that way. <laughs> There's also new equipment, including Majora's Mask, Minda's Helmet, and a Korok Mask that rumbles when a Korok seat is nearby. It seems like there's also going to be Tingle costumes somewhere. <laughs> Please no. I know That's it's pretty know exciting, but I, I. That it, it's a weird look. It looks like a onesie. Yes, it does. It, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of neat. So does Tingle, though. So yeah, yeah. sort of thematically appropriate. Although I kind of wish the art uh, sort of de-emphasized one certain part of Link's body. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe there wasn't much to de-emphasize. Very form-fitting. <laughs> Tingle is probably a onesie if it was a person, right? <laughs> well, I, that's, that's, that's all we read. Tingle. Yeah. That's all we have to say about Breath of the Wild. I will say I'm pleasantly surprised by how much there is in this DLC. Because yeah, I might the, Yeah. The way they described it was... There's going to be a hard mode. There's going to be a map feature, which sounds like the worst thing until you actually describe it in depth. And there's going to be new items, which is like, eh, that's not exactly the kind of content you come to Breath of the Wild for. But I might actually anticipate this content more than the next content, because in my personal opinion, the real dungeons in Breath of the Wild might be my least favorite parts of that game. Mm. I, I would say that it actually got away from all the things that made Breath of the Wild a game I fell in love with, ultimately. But, leave it to Nintendo to know what to do with Zelda Breath of the Wild. They already got it right once. They're already getting it right a second time with this DLC. I'm sure they can get it right a third time. Oh, and, yeah. and this is, the, and since you get both the story elements and this anyway with with the same pack... It's not going to be so bad because you you eventually know you're going to get that second part if that's what you're looking for. Right, right. And you get that Nintendo Switch t-shirt because, yay, advertising. Huh. <laughs> Does the Wii version also get the Switch shirt? I cannot speak from experience, but I believe it does. Okay, that's funny. That's funny, yeah. That's all we got for Breath of the Wild DLC. That there wasn't there was surprisingly not much to talk about because it only goes into one DLC pack that we already knew some of the details for, so there was very little commentary to actually add to it. One other story I just remembered, and this is more of a rumor, getting into rumor territory, not confirmed news, but we should probably talk about that Rabbids thing that came out this week, or at least the continuation of Rabbids information that leaked between Emily Rogers and ultimately Kotaku, which is that that Rabbids Mario crossover RPG that's been rumored for the Switch forever is supposedly getting reconfirmed by unconfirmed sources, saying that it's going to be a turn-based RPG. You're going to get to play as four Mario characters, Mario, Luigi, Peach, uh, Yoshi, and four Rabbids that are like those guys that are based that have like a Mario hat, a Luigi hat. There's going to be futuristic weaponry. It's going to be a turn-based battle, but there's going to be some kind of non-autonomous twist on it, it sounds like. And it also sounds like it's probably being developed semi-internally at Ubisoft. That's just the impression I got. That's not what it says in the news story. That's just the read I got. But And the, the rumors seem to indicate that it's being developed on an engine that Ubisoft internally uses for thing they're using it for South Park, the fractured but whole. And I believe they did the division on it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That that's where I got that from. August, September is where they're saying this game's going to come out, which makes sense. But October seems more likely to me. The only, the only thing I would say to that is I think October is going to have something big in there anyway. So it could be like, this will be late September, and then they have something else going into October, whether it be Fire on the Warriors or something else that might get announced in the next few weeks. That Hyrule Warrior slot, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I could I could not be less excited for a Rabbids game, but if this is what we have to go through to get Beyond Good and Evil 2, then fine. I'll grin and bear but, it. But Zach, it's a game where you get to shoot Rabbids with lasers. That I, is nice. That is nice. I am all, uh, if, if there is a way to just use the Mario characters, I will do that. Yeah, me too. Okay, then let me, let me ask you this, Zach. Would you be more into this game if it played exactly like Mario and Luigi? No. Really? No. In my there's imagination... Only one, there's only been is, one good Mario and Luigi game. This game to me sounds like a Mario and Luigi... You're talking about the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. If it, If it's a Mario and Luigi game... I have nothing against Rabbids. They just seem like goofy Nickelodeon-tier characters who I believe actually did ultimately get a show on Nickelodeon. But I, I have nothing against a Nickelodeon character. I'd play a Mario-Spongebob crossover. I'd, I'd play a Mario... <laughs> um, I'm surprised what, that didn't what happen do, after Splatoon, honestly. What does Nickelodeon also have that's not Spongebob? Are they still doing Fairly Odd Parents? That's something they could do. They, they couldn't not. actually do that. I'm just trying to think of Nickelodeon franchises. The new Ninja Jimmy Turtles. Neutron. New Ninja Turtles, the Penguins of Madagascar. Oh, yeah. Theme the next Mario Party around Guts. <laughs> Kablam, just, just going to this weird 90s territory with, with June and, and what what's his face? Yeah. yeah. Or, or Nick Arcade. Imagine a virtual console version of Nick Arcade. <laughs> All right, that was just that was just a quickie I just remembered that we should have probably mentioned. Let's talk about the Fire Emblem Echoes season pass revealed. I'm, I'm going to say what the news is, and then Donald has some stuff to say, so I'm just going to pass the mic to Donald after for him to say everything he wants to say. DLC plans for Fire Emblem Echoes came out. Let's talk about them. Five packs. First is going to be available on the game's launch date of May 19th. Season pass will also be available for $44.99 U.S which is more than the video game costs. Uh, the first pack, once again, available on May 19th. These packs are going to be Fledgling Warriors, May 19th, uh, $7.99. A new dungeon and two maps designed for experience gaining. There's going to be Undaunted Heroes on May 25th for $9.99, which is a new dungeon and two challenge maps. Lost Altars, May 25th, $14.99. A series of dungeons with exclusive class upgrades. Rise of the Deliverance, June 1st, $12.99. Prologue chapters with additional voice work, support conversations, and backstory. Fifth pack, Date Unknown, $5.99. Details, TBA. What's, what's the cost of those put together? You got $28, $38, You're basically just getting the $5.99 pack for free. Okay. So now that, that's... That, that's all the fire. It's, oh. I'm handing you the mic, Donald. Okay. It's yours. Now, <laughs> for, for the record, this is what I'll be paying for it. Uh, the season pass is $63.49. Oh, God. <laughs> Pack 1, $11.29. Pack 2, $14.09. Pack 3, $21. Bucks. Pack 4, $18.39. So that is about $73 to buy it together i mean Jeez. i i like fire emblem but <laughs> i don't 150 dollars like it especially no. when i'm already in for that limited edition to talk about it on the show and the amiibo as well but 
the fact is Nintendo, there's three sins you can do with a season pass. And Nintendo managed to pull off all three of them. A, you talk about it before the game comes out. It's not as bad as some other companies who have announced the game and the season pass at the same time. But, you know, this would have been okay, probably better served as a surprise, even though they've done it before with other Fire Emblem games and Hyrule Warriors. Two, they didn't tell us all of it. Sure, we get 80% of it, just whatever that final pack is, is probably not going to be much of anything, unless it's just the super hard map that they like to give away with the DLC. And D, they made the thing more expensive than the game that it is supporting. This is not so, the game you get to do that with. Like, like there are some games where you can get away with it. For instance, um, a game like Forza, if it did it right, I would understand uh, if you got, like, 200 cards. Actually, the Forza packs are really shitty. That, that's a terrible example. <laughs> it feels like there are games where you can pull this off. I, I'm, I've been playing Warframe lately, and I'm not going to talk about Warframe, but Warframe is a free-to-play action game that feels a lot like Metal Gear Rising. It's very good. I recommend it if you have a PS4 or PC, but it's free-to-play, and there is a lot of DLC, and the DLC costs more than the game, but there's a shit ton of DLC that improves your experience of the game, so it feels less weird given that specific context. So I guess what I'm saying is the only time you can really justify a season pass or any kind of DLC costing more than the game itself is when the game is free to play. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure you're 100% correct, Donald, which I'm just realizing as I say all this stuff out loud. Yeah, and the, the fact is, I mean, Fire Emblem is basically anime now, and it comes down to the, basically this is being priced by Anaplex because we, you know, the, these are the guys who still think that you can get away with charging 50 bucks for a Blu-ray of a movie or 300 bucks for a seat for a 12 episode season of anime in 2017. And I think if you put all this, if I put all the stuff for this game together, like, like I said, I'm getting the limited edition. I'm getting the amiibo, and this season pass on top of that, you are now at 180 bucks. You know what I can buy for the 180 bucks? A 2DS XL <laughs> with a trade. So, yeah, like I, I like Fire Emblem. I'm pretty sure that if Echoes in ends up and ends up as it is, it might be the first game I could justify giving a 10 to in a review. But no, hundred, you know. It has to stop somewhere, especially since, like we said, Fire Emblem Warriors is coming out in fall, and it's going to probably have more DLC than this. And on uh, who's, who's in the background right now? Whose background is this? What? Is, Zach, is this you? My cat is freaking out about something. Should I mute you for a few minutes? Sure. Okay. All right. Well, you can you can unmute yourself, presumably. Either way, if you can't, all right. Word. So, I think I'm having a hard time getting my mind around exactly what this game is. I'm going to be buying Fire Emblem. It's a, what's what's it called? Echoes, right? Echoes. Fire Emblem Echoes, because there's Fates, there's Awakening, now there's Echoes. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around what the actual structure of this game is, what it feels like. I know I know all the stuff that's been revealed, but in the same way that I had a very good grasp of what Awakening was before it came out and of what Fates was before it came out, I don't quite have the same grasp on Echoes. And I feel like they could have used 
one more detailed five to seven minute overview of what the structure of this game is. Because I'm slightly confused so far as to what it feels like to play this game, as, as for how much like or unlike Fire Emblem it is. But most of that is because I'm ignorant of the original video game, which I take responsibility for. But taking off the podcaster hat and putting on the consumer hat, it's not necessarily my responsibility to worry about that. Yeah, and my and from what we've seen of the game so far, I got to see it at PAX East. Uh, it seems to be more like more like Awakening game than than Fates. Like you have a fix, like there's a world map you can explore. It's just there's some there's some dungeon crawling, like dungeon exploration mixed in with the with the turn based strategy that you're used to in a Fire Emblem game. Right. Riza says. Nintendo is overdoing it with Fire Emblem too much at once. Once again, if we may, Fire Emblem Fates, Fire Emblem Fates, Fire Emblem Fates, three different games, Fire Emblem Heroes. It's we could even count two versions of Fire Emblem Heroes if we're just going to just going to sort of twist the knife a little bit. We can also say Fire Emblem Warriors. Echoes, Echoes. Fire Emblem Warriors. And isn't Fire Emblem Warriors getting... Is that a Wii U game, too? No, it's new 3DS. New 3DS, that's what I mean. I knew there was a second platform. So that's eight different Fire Emblem releases and over the span of these two years. And we've that's got, too and much. if you want to count... And Fire Emblem Switch huh? comes out next year. Which Fire Emblem Switch comes yeah. out next year, which brings us to nine... And then you have all the DLC, which means that there's there's a whole lot of Fire Emblem products it's, <laughs> it's that, that you're going to need to consume. Fire Emblem is the kind of series that I need one of those every so often, but I only need about one every year and a half to two years. I don't need one every three months, necessarily. No, they're really... I don't know why they're... I guess after the success of... What it was was it Awakening? They they put all cylinders going on Fire Emblem, but do they need to? I don't know if they need to. Well, Awakening let's... Awakening reversed the fortunes of the franchise. Fate solidified mm -hmm. it. Fates and Heroes, I would say, solidified it as an A tier Nintendo franchise. Now they're just it... raking in that money. Yeah, one thing they talked about in the in their shareholder stuff last week is that this stuff made more money for them in mobile than Super Mario Run did. Oh Despite the fact that it sold what a tenth, or a down a tenth, a, a tenth of the downloads, but there's a lot of people who probably bought that download pack right there. Mm. Yeah, and I better cancel out of that, or I'm going to be in big trouble on Friday. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's all we have to say about Fire Emblem Echoes. It comes out in two weeks, which seems relatively soon, considering how little they've showed off. Of that yeah. game, it still and, feels like it, it should be four months out, even though it's two weeks away. And, and it, it, it came out in Japan two weeks ago as well. Yeah. Hmm. Do we know how it is based on Japan? Uh, it seemed to be reviewing well, and we have a couple of different impression sets of impressions up based on uh, a version that we were able to get from our from friend of the show, Don Koopman, that it seems to be a really, it seems to be, 
it may come in better than Awakening for all we know, but we'll find out in a couple of weeks. That'd be fun. Cool. Fire Emblem Echoes. There you have it. That brings us to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. It's open number one in the UK. First week. And it's also sold over 450,000 in the United States. I think it's also just past 1 million sales worldwide. That that's some information I just saw very recently. Yeah, I think I think it did about 300,000 in I want to say it did somewhere in between 250 and 300,000 in Japan in its opening weekend there, which is basically almost a I think a similar attach rate to what the US saw. And yeah, if if that's the case, then yeah, it would have to be over a million at this point. Which, uh, considering how Mario Kart Eight originally sold on the Wii U, that's not surprising. In fact, the the fact that people actually want to own this platform, the Switch, to play, and they're picking up Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, I think this I think this package is going to outsell the original by quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. It has about a fifty a fifty percent attach rate. Yeah, and that's and they're basing that on they're basing that on the numbers from March, I want to say, because they haven't given updated numbers yet for how it sold in April. We probably won't get those for another week to two weeks. Right. It has a fifty. It has the fifty percent attach rate. It is also the fastest selling Mario Kart. Is that just in the United States, or is that overall? Uh, that's at least in the U.S. It could be overall. I don't. I don't think they've said said as much. But I would just calls it the fastest Mario I was, Kart. I was very surprised to see that uh, the second fastest selling Mario Kart was Super Circuit. No, I think that was the second highest reviewed. The second, oh, the, okay. the record that it beat was Mario Kart Wii. Okay. Well, I I don't want to live in a world where uh, Super Circuit was. Reviewed better than we or or the original Mario Kart Eight. It didn't. It's a terrible game. So here's the sentence they have: with more than five four hundred fifty nine thousand combined package and digital sales in the U.S. on launch day alone, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe for the Nintendo Switch system is the fastest selling game in the long running Mario Kart series. So it doesn't specify that it's in the U.S. But it's used in the second part of a sentence talking about the U.S. So your guess is as good as mine. Ambiguous. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's worldwide, honestly. But I have no idea. People are really talking up this Mario Kart 8 Deluxe business. Which yes, they are. I'm not going. I'm going to choose not to meet with immediate immediate skepticism because I haven't played the game. So I'm going to. I'm going to show some chill on what I say about this. I mean. You kind of did play the game three years ago. I played Mario Kart 8, and I played most of the deluxe content. I did not play the new characters. I did not play the battle mode. I have not played it on Switch and handheld. I have not used the Switch experience yet, so I haven't played the actual Switch version of the game. Same. However... Well, at PAX, I guess. I've seen people calling this a near-perfect video game. I've seen people calling this by far the best Mario Kart ever with very little qualification whatsoever. If, as a multiplayer experience, I can see that as an overall package with the fact that everything like everything being unlocked at the start is cool, but it means that you can basically ignore the single player. Right. And 
hey, that for me, who's going to be playing the game constantly, probably every other weekend going going forward, once more people get it, can find a switch, then that that works for me. But if you're into this, looking for a single player role along the lines of DSs, then better luck you next time, I guess. You weren't going to get that in the original release either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not. I'm not convinced to get it again. I'm really not, especially considering that. Yeah, you got to think. In the fall, they're going to start ch charging you to play it online. Yeah. Mm, that can still play Wii yeah. U for free. Right. Until they shut those servers down and make you buy Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Definitely complicated. I mean, the fact that you can still buy games off the Wii shop leads me to believe that they're not shutting down the servers for, for 8 on Wii U for a good long time. Yeah. Mario Kart 8 story situation reminds me, not story, but single player content situation, reminds me of what the fighting game community was dealing with 10-ish years ago. A little less than 10, maybe 7, 5 to 7 years. Basically right before Mortal Kombat 9 came out. Where people were upset that games like Marvel vs. Capcom 3, like Street Fighter 4 were not coming with much single-player content at all. Mm -hmm. And so some, some of the hardcore community was using that as a sticking point to sort of trash on casuals a little bit, saying, like, listen, fighting games about the multiplayer. And to a very large extent, it is. Except when Mortal Kombat 9 added its story mode, notice how things changed a bit. Mortal Kombat 9 is not the first fighting game to use a story mode, certainly. But... Mortal Kombat's 9 story mode is the story mode that popularized story modes in Western fighting games. We're not talking yeah. about oh, yeah. stuff like Guilty Gear. And I feel yeah. like Nintendo should try it once. A relatively ambitious single-player experience, even more ambitious than the DS. Do mission modes, do the single-player circuits, but treat the circuits basically as an arcade mode. Mm. And then also beyond that, do some kind of Mario Kart story, maybe in the same way that a Mario sports game will do a story, not not like the GBA ones, but more like Superstar Baseball, where it's only two, three hours long, it's slightly personalized to each character, you can do it with every single character, just to see how people respond to it. Because I feel like if Mario Kart did a really good story mode, people would be like, oh yeah, this makes the package way better, actually. Yeah. And now we need to do it for now on. And also a lot of the naysayers don't have much to naysay because everything we got was actually in the game. The reason why I'm hesitating before buying Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is because there's no strong single-player component. And I'm the kind right. of person who, for the most part, really appreciates single-player video games. Same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if they want a model and... Nintendo's not great at looking at other games for, you know, inspiration. Uh, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed is basically what you described, Alex. Does it have a story mode in it? Uh, it has a, it has a single-player mode that encourages you to use every character. And uh, they have, is it like missions? They have, they have optional missions that uh, you can complete during a race. That will, it's kind of like mission mode, I guess, uh, in DS, but uh, a lot more varied because it's per character. Yeah, because basically what you have for single player right now in, in 8 Deluxe, because I, I did buy it, 
because I because like I said, I'm going to be playing it a lot multiplayer. Uh, there, you're basically playing the story mode for something like Mod Nation Racers, reaching back to <laughs> PS3, where you're basically just playing to collect parts. Yeah, Mod Nation Racers was a funny game when it came out because, by most accounts, as a video game, it wasn't that bad, but Mm-hmm. It will go down in history as one of the really bad Sony franchises because it had some of the worst load times yep. encounterable was, in a triple A. It was video the Lego game. City undercover of uh, the PS3. But arguably worse, I think, because even minor load times would be a full minute long, and they didn't fix that even remotely with the Vita version of the game. True. And the thing is, Mod Nation Racers, as a kart racer, it's not bad at all. It's aesthetic. No. It's not. It's not as good as Splatoon, but its attitude definitely reminds me a teensy tiny bit of Splatoon in a positive way. Yeah. And if the game just had better load times, I, I think it would have panned out. So, barring the load times, maybe Mario Kart could take a cue or two from Mob Nation Racers. I don't know. I don't know, Donald. Do you like the new content? Mario uh... Deluxe. I, I'm still I have I've still mostly only played the single player. I've done, I've done a few a few cups with it just to get you just to see how the new controls work. And I was kind of surprised, but not really surprised, I guess, that the third level mini turbos that they've been hyping up so much, you can't activate them if you've got the smart acceleration turned on. Really? Oh, they they I think they said that though in the press release. Yeah. Yeah, I just it, it it had slipped my mind until until I actually got in there and played. I'm like, hey, why is this not working? Oh wait, smart acceleration's turned on. Let's let's try that and see what happens. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah, it, those are fun boosts. And hey, going around as the uh, as a as a squid as a squid kid is kind of cool. Hmm. What color is, is what color is the acceleration boost? The third level. Pink. That's cool. That's a good color. Yeah, and and it get and you go for like three almost three seconds with the uh, with that with that super turbo, so wow. it, it can be pretty game breaking. But yeah, you need to you you need to be able to handle the the acceleration. So some people may not see that, but I I think the real test for that game honestly is going to be this weekend because I'm getting together with a bunch of friends and we're probably going to play Mario Kart. We usually play seven, but now a couple of us are going to have a deluxe and we'll see how good the multiplayer is. With go. two switches, with two switches and no extra accessories, can you get a four-player game going? Yeah, sick, very sick. On two TV screens. present because it's going to be hard to play on the tiny switch screen with four people. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to play it in the middle of a uh, in in the food court of a shopping mall. Right, <laughs> <laughs> will, that should but, be an interesting test case. Yeah, but uh, we've we've had decent luck with like. With uh, with some multi with multiplayer stuff there before, so hopefully it holds up. Yeah, nice. And Zach, you don't have this game yet. No, I have no reason to get it right now. Right. I'm not saying never, but I just yeah, I'm not saying never either. But it's maybe not, if they right announce now. new DLC, yeah, you know, yeah, I get it for new DLC. Good new DLC, like 16 more tracks, maybe a single-player mode, maybe a dungeon in the second DLC pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Switch shirts. 
It's all I need for my me. That that reminds me. I suppose I better ta- I better tap my amiibo later to make sure I have all my racing suits ready. I need to be able to race as Mega Man mm. or Sonic. Oh, of course, of course, oh, of course. That covers Mario Kart. Then we have a few other games to talk about. Let's start with yours, Zach. You have Blaster Master Zero to talk about. Oh, is this the what you've been playing portion of the show? I was just yeah. going to talk about the fact that Blaster Master is getting a hard mode and DLC uh, that's free, but um, going out for a little while. I got this in the mail. Let me see. What is it? Oh, Metal Gear and Game Boy. One one new thing we have yeah. to do in the show is because there's a decent amount of people actually listening to this on iTunes. By the way, Nintendo News Report on iTunes. If you're oh, watching, right. you have to say it. You have to say it. You got to remember to say it. But that's just that's that's something uh, I've been noticing as I've been listening back to our podcast. But yes, Metal Gear good, and Game Boy. Good one. Metal Gear Ghost Ghost Babylon Game Boy Color. It's uh, really incredible how true it is to uh, even the PlayStation original. It's It looks and ultimately plays like Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 for the, uh, what, Famicom disk system back then. Um, but it's it has, you can, you know, go up against walls. You can shimmy into uh, narrow spaces. You can crawl uh, like in Metal Gear Solid uh, for the PlayStation. Uh, I will say that wayfinding is really hard because the maps all kind of look the same. Mm. Um, so if you're not using maps on the internet, which I've had to rely on, uh, it can be pretty tough. But, I mean, it has colorful bad guys and cinematics and codec conversations and Mei Ling is giving you inspirational quotes every time you save. It's uh, It's really surprisingly... It's like a demake of Metal Gear Solid. It's really amazing. I like it a lot. That's great. And do you remember if... But you're graded on missions, which sucks, because I never get any better than terrible. <laughs> do you know if this is this is a Kojima game? Uh, no, it's, it's by the guy who did... who would later do the Acid games, which I have not played. Okay. Um, but Kojima does not consider it a real Metal Gear game. In fact, it, it takes place seven years after Metal Gear Solid, um, after, I I think sometime around the time Metal Gear Solid 2 would be taking place in the canonical series. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sorry, it takes place seven years after Outer Haven is destroyed. So Metal Gear 1. Um, So it's it's kind of an alternate history uh, version of Metal Gear Solid. Okay. Let's say That's that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I like I like it a lot. Uh, I had to it's not it's not hard, easy to find. Um I had to get this for $30 on eBay. Uh totally worth it. It it was only the cartridge, but uh it's it's a hard game to find. I kind of wish they would have put it on virtual console. You know? This this would be good to have on the 3DS. Yeah, that's something Konami would do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know I mean, the other thing Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, they're putting out Bonk's Revenge tomorrow on VC, so you never know. Oh, yeah. They'll put it out tomorrow after I paid $30 for it for five bucks. Um, the one thing I will say is it, it has a uh, 
like in Metal Gear Solid, but because it's a Game Boy Color, uh, you basically need a magnifying glass to see it. So the, the best solution is to use your uh, Game Boy Advance SP uh, with the screen stretching, because then you'll actually see what you're supposed to be looking at. How would that run on the Game Boy Player, I wonder? I have not tried that, but I'm going to. Good question. Do you guys remember when Metal Gear Survive was supposed to come out? Because I feel like there's a part of me that heard May at some point. It says uh, 2017 oh. on the official website right now. Yeah, that's that was the only date I ever heard for it. Okay, maybe, maybe I just heard May in my head. But Metal Gear Survive is coming out, which I think is pretty funny. Second coming out. I don't even know what that's supposed to be. Metal Gear. It's, it's, a, it's a survival game. Yeah. 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 It, it it looks a lot like one of the shitty Resident Evil spinoffs that came out on New yeah. Over the last few years. That is a good comparison. Yeah. Like Raccoon City. Yeah. yeah. Operation Raccoon City Umbrella Corps. That's it. Yeah. And it's it's sequel. It somehow got a sequel. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Zach, you have something that would probably be best played tomorrow as well. You, a, you were showing Go me the, on. the the thing you got from, from a mutual friend before that you were showing me before the show. Oh, it's in the kitchen now. Shoot. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I got um, the only good thing that ever came out of episode one, uh, episode one pod racer on the N64 uh, sent to me by a friend of the show, Michael Burns, uh, Invisible Gamer. He had an extra copy. And he put it, uh, took a photo of it um, on Twitter. I said, hey, do you need two copies of that? He said, no, I'll send it to you. So I'm going to uh, pull my N64 out of retirement and play one of the best racers on that system. It's a great racing pod racing. Yeah. It's great. It's like an There's alternate F-Zero. On Steam... There's a deal that might still be going on. Let's see if it's still going on. Oh, the Star yeah, Wars deal? Yeah. All the Star Wars games for like 20 bucks. All the Star Wars games, except it doesn't include the new Battlefront, because that's only on Origin, and it doesn't include the latest LEGO Star Wars game based on the seventh movie. But hmm. it does include 24 Star Wars games, including both <laughs> Force Awakens. Not, not Force Awakens. Both Force Unleashed. Unleashed. All three Lego Star Wars games, the first three Lego Star Wars games, it includes uh, both KOTORs, it includes at least one Rogue Squadron. I don't know if Podracers is Super Nintendo there. games. And here's the thing. The bundle itself retails for $270, but it's 93% oh. off. It ends on May 8th. And so you can get all those games for $18. So if you have a PC, you should probably consider getting 24 Star Wars games for $18. That is a ridiculous that, deal, and I don't even. And my PC can probably barely run a couple of those games. Yeah, me too. So well, what you got to do is you got to do what I did, and you got to hold. You got to buy all these humble bundles, all these Steam sales. Keep buying PC games you can't play. And then one day, when you're like me, and you finally, 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 after years and years and years, gather enough money to build your own PC, yeah. have, let me see, 
495 different Steam games to play by the time you end up building a computer. Which, which is pretty disgusting now that I said it out loud. But <laughs> that so you is can get backlog, my friend. You can get you can get Star Wars games on PC, eighteen dollars for twenty four of them, which is which is a tremendous deal. One thing I want to note about Zach's thing, because you were, you were talking about how like technologically impressive that game is. Yeah. There's something to be said about Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and DS games that push the hardware to the limit in a way that is nothing short of inspiring. It happens a lot on Game Boy Color. Ghost yeah. Babble's a great example. There's also Silent Hill 2, I think, or and Resident Evil 2 might have versions on Game Boy Color. There was uh, one there was a Resident Evil game that was supposed to come out of Game Boy Color. Gaiden, yeah. Gaiden. Resident Evil Gaiden takes place on a boat or a cruise ship on Game Boy Color. Right. Um, and then there's a version of uh, Resident Evil 1 called Deadly Silence on the DS, which I've always wanted to pick up. Right. It's I, I might be I might be getting my stuff mixed up. But if you're as interested in people pushing low-grade handheld hardware to its absolute limit, I recommend a YouTube series called Stop Skeletons from Fighting. I think that's, that's the channel. And the series is called Punching Weight, where they go into the development histories of all these handheld games and all these Ooh. ports that run way better than you think they would and look way better. For I think I think one oh. of the most popular ones is Driver Two or Driver Three on the Game Boy Advance, or on the however many megabyte cartridge they managed to fit a whole GTA Three style open world on. Oh my god! It, it, it doesn't look very playable, but they got <laughs> it running, which is all that matters. Yeah. 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 So. That's, that's just something interesting. we got a couple more games to talk about. I just want to say I've been playing the DeBlob port on PC, which is the Wii game that came out a handful of years ago. THQ Nordic bought the rights to that series in, in the same way they did with however many other THQ properties. They put it out on PC. Darksiders 3 coming soon. Darksiders 3 coming soon. Thankfully, I have the first two games on Steam, so I can finally play those, which I'm pretty excited Hell about. Yeah. yeah. I, got, Blob... I got those in the Hubble Bundle on PS4. <laughs> Does the Blob uh, hold up? Uh, I, well, I never played it originally. I've, I've This is my first time playing it. And I also have it on pretty good settings, and I'm playing it on an Xbox controller rather than with Wii remotes, which means I'm probably playing it in the ideal experience. What I'll say is... If you like the Katamari Damacy type games, where you're sort of exploring this open world faux sandbox, and you're just listening to good music, doing colorful, <laughs> goofy things, and it's not very hard, and there's not much challenge, and you're just kind of relaxing, but there's maybe a repetitive element here too. Maybe try Deblob, because Deblob definitely scratches that Katamari itch just a little. Now, it's not funny in the same way uh, Katamari Damacy is, but it is relaxing in the same way Katamari Damacy is. It's colorful in the same way Katamari Damacy is. And the way you're a ball rolling through a city very naturally, coloring in buildings, it, it, it gives it a very... It gives it a very Katamari wander around the city and affect things with, with your ball-shaped entity. 
which, which I think is pretty good. I think the game's like 15 on Steam, which is not a bad deal considering it looks really nice on my on my computer. What's the blog price at? 14.99, which is not a terrible price considering Wii games on Virtual Console go for 19.99. So, it's pretty good. Did either of you play the blog when it first came out? Always meant to. Never did. It, I'm. It, it seemed like, like th. This was before THQ had really developed the reputation for quality, so I assumed it was like ninety eight percent of the other Wii software. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see Blowout Blast get a second look. Did Katamari get on Wii? Uh, Katamari did not end up getting a Wii game, but weird franchises like Destroy All Humans did. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. It's, there's a Destroy All Humans game that was on Wii, and it was atrocious. So it's the way that series went was Destroy All Humans 1 was pretty good. Destroy All Humans 2 was terrible. Well, it wasn't terrible. It was all right. Destroy All Humans Wii and Xbox 360 were both very, very poor. What I was going to say about Darksiders 3 was that it's very frustrating that the main character is not one of the four horsemen. Make that horseman a girl. The girl part's cool, because the new character design looks pretty badass. Making it Fury is pretty badass. Nice, nice, nice. However, since it's not one of the four horsemen, that means that it's going to be at least two more games to finish this series. Oh, no. They, they've just renamed two of the four horsemen. Oh, really? This is still... Yeah, the I guess Pestilence and... Uh, Death. Uh, yeah. Don't... Don't work oh. out. Oh, okay, so this is the third of the fourth? Yeah. Okay, because I'm hoping this series has four games. I saw that its name was Fury, and I got frustrated. Much of the same way I got frustrated <coughs> when <coughs> Shenmue 3 was announced, and <coughs> Yu Suzuki was like, you know, I know this is the first game we can make in 20 years, and maybe the only game we can make in this series for another 20 years, but I'm still not going to finish the story. In fact, I'm only going to do a couple more chapters, and there's still going to be about half the story left unfinished, which is, which is a very frustrating thing, because it's, it's a stroke of luck that Darksiders is getting a three whatsoever. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Which means I hope they make this a four-game series, and don't but you know what's, you know try what's, to stretch it out. Yeah. You know what's bullshit, though? Uh, from where the trailer seems to take place indicates that just like 1 and 2, the story will end at the exact same place as 1 and 2. So we might get 5 as like a massive like a four-player co-op game? Uh, look, they have to move the story forward someday. <laughs> Riza asks, is Shenmue 3 still happening? Yes, it is. I don't know what speed the project is moving at, but I think I'm following Slowly. Shenmue 3 on Twitter, and they are updating it, updating the, their Kickstarter relatively regularly. So it's not like people stopped them working on the game. The game's being worked on. It's just it's just happening slowly because there's a relatively small team. And that is that does sound pretty frustrating, Zach. I did hear... That it's I don't don't tell me anything that happens in the story. Don't tell any of these people what happens in the story. But I know one ends in a relatively unsatisfying place. Isn't two a sequel to one, but it doesn't address the actual cliffhanger, or does it all take place at the same time? Two takes place at the same time as one, and literally has the same ending. Oh boy. Yeah. 
which means there's either going to be a fifth game or they're going to end it at four, but it's going to be a little wacky, which yeah. uh, both of them seem likely. I'm very impressed that a Darksiders 3 is coming up. Yeah, very, me too, honestly. And, and I noticed the Fury's weapon, she stole it from uh, Ivy Valentine from Soul Calibur. <laughs> Ivy is the peak of Soul Calibur. Agree. We're just the peaks. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have one more game to talk about. Puyo Puyo Tetris. I've been playing it a tiny bit more, but I haven't necessarily stuck to it, especially since I, I built the PC and I have all these games to get back to. I've yeah. been struggling to get to Puyo Puyo Tetris, especially since I I don't have other people to play with and the single player mode isn't the most compelling thing in the world. Donald, how's it been treating you? Um, the single player mode nearly gave my roommate an aneurysm. Mm. The, the, the story mode, um, that is like four kids would not have hired these people. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That, that, that is some like, th this isn't like Saturday morning cartoon level bad acting. This is just very bad acting. Oh yeah, it's it's Pokemon, it's Pokemon tournament bad. It's really oh. terrible. It's really yeah. really. And, terrible. and the sad thing is, it like the 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 gameplay of the single player mode is fun because you get to do a little bit of everything and eventually unlock a lot of stuff for use in the multiplayer or in the solo arcade, which is sort of like the quick fire single player modes. But Honestly, I'm glad I found the cheat code to let me unlock everything by default so I could just play the single-player modes that way. And in that case, hey, Puyo Puyo Tetris, damn fine game. Just, yeah. Yeah, I, I used played, the cheat I played too. the demo and I thought, I've had enough. The demo's fun because you can actually play multiplayer as much as you want. I, mm. I kind of I wish I'd just kept the demo because it has all the Puyo Puyo Tetris I actually need. Yeah, I also I, don't like Puyo Puyo, so that's kind of a... Yeah, I'm I'm getting used to Puyo Puyo, but I'm having way more fun with the Tetris modes. I'm finding. Oh yeah, because it's it, it's hard to screw up portable Tetris. Yes, it is. And I'm I'm glad I was able to download it before it inevitably inevitably gets yanked <laughs> off the eShop in here. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. I think that's all we have to talk about for the show, boys. I I say we wrap it up. Yeah, cool. I think Zach's hungry. Yeah, Zach's got to be hungry. It's 11.10 my time. I'm very sleepy. <laughs> I got to do the laundry. Rizzo says he likes the story mode in Puyo Puyo Tetris, so that means at least someone does. Thank you for watching. <laughs> Patreon.com slash NWR. Support the website that supports this show. You can also get us on iTunes, look up Nintendo News Report, review us. We haven't gotten any reviews since the last episode, but if you review us on iTunes... And I see the review, which I, I certainly will if you do it, because I check every so often. We will address it on the show, whether it's positive or negative. We will use this ending segment of the show to address any positive or negative criticism you may have, because we want to hear your feedback. We also want to get more feedback on the iTunes. So we, we, can, we can get in front of more eyes, get more people engaging with us, because... Hopefully that makes for better entertainment. I tell myself that makes for better entertainment. But <laughs> iTunes, Nintendo News Report. Donald's on Twitter, at Donald Mick, D-O-N-A-L-D-M-I-C-K. You can also listen to his other podcast, Nintendo Free Radio. That is NFR Podcast on Twitter, also on iTunes. 
Also, Zach is Zmiller1902, Z-M-I-L-L-E-R-1902. I am on Twitter at C-U-L-A-F-I-A. That is Lafia, NintendoWorldReport.com. That's our show. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.